Uh, it's good to be with you all again. My wife is trying to help me get organized here, so. I may have her preach part of the message too, but I haven't <laughs> I haven't told her yet. <laughs> okay. Um yeah, thank you so much. The worship team, I love to worship here at Way of Jesus because it's fun to worship with other worshipers. And also, thank you, Pastor Dale, for the way you... I, I think it takes a special... Um, skill to do what you do here. Are we? <laughs> yeah, we're plugged in, but it doesn't seem to be communicating. Well, if um, if it was communicating, you would see a, an old hymn on the screen. Um, I think you probably know it. It's, Oh, How I Love Jesus. And I love the chorus. Well, I, yeah, I, I love the, this first verse because maybe I've said this here before. Maybe, pardon me if I did. But um, I have really begun enjoying the name Yvonne. You might understand why. Um, and you know, and and I, I, I so I hesitate to talk about marriage because God calls some people into different journeys. Even the Apostle Paul, who wrote half the New Testament. But for those of you that are married, you know that your wife is never that far from your mind and, or your husband, your spouse. And um, that was one of the griefs I experienced after Rachel's death was that she was, I was thinking about her almost all the time, even after her death, you know. But it really grieved me that I was no longer on her mind. And... Maybe, maybe I am, maybe in heaven, maybe in heaven you still think about people on earth. And, and I actually have changed my theology about that a bit. I, I think that may, they don't just think about us, but maybe they can actually see us. Um, a great cloud of witnesses. Uh, scripture says, then you will know even as you are known. So God knows everything. So when we get to heaven, then we will know 
even as we are known by him. Obviously, we're not omniscient and all that, but anyways. So, but there is a name that's even sweeter than Yvonne or Rachel or whatever your spouse's name is, and that's the name of Jesus. And this is an old hymn. Let's just sing with me about Jesus here. There is a name I love to hear, I love to sing. It's worth, it sounds like music in my ear. The sweetest name on earth. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because he first loved me. Good thing we brought the new batteries along. I think there's some in that small pocket. Hmm. Um, let's go to this. Yeah, here we go. I think we sung this one here before, too. Have we sung this song here? I say yes, yes, yes. I say yes, yes, yes. I say yes, Lord. I say yes, Lord. I say yes, 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 sing it again. I say yes, yes, yes. I say yes, yes, yes. I say yes, Lord. I say yes, Lord. I say yes, yes, yes. And since most of us, most of us are Mennonites, let's sing harmony next time through, shall we? It's got good harmony. I say yes, yes, yes. I say yes, yes, yes. I say yes, Lord. I say yes, Lord. I say yes, yes, yes. In the Psalms, it says, the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And I don't know Hebrew, but some that do say that a better rendition of that would be, the fool hath said in his heart, no, God. And so 
we don't want to say no to God. We don't want to be fools. Um, we want to be wise, say yes to him. And we, we were singing that very soberly, and it is a very sobering question or, or statement, declaration. But it's also exciting to say yes to God. If you know God, it's exciting to be on his page and to say yes to him. And so let's sing it in a little more of an upbeat sort of way. I say yes, yes, yes. I say yes, yes, yes. I say yes, Lord. I say yes, Lord. I say yes, yes, yes. When we say yes to him, all kinds of interesting, exciting things begin to happen. I'd like to spend some time here this morning looking at what I call the most heretical verse in the Bible. And I don't know that the title has much to do with the, most of the content of what I want to share, but I just find that fascinating that, that uh, there's a verse where Paul actually uh, speaks positively about heresy. And um, that's verse 19 of 1 Corinthians 11. And I first started looking at this verse quite a few years ago when a pastor friend of mine suggested I look at that verse. Have I ever considered this verse and what in the world does it mean? And then more recently, as Yvonne and I were taking one of the classes at um, Life Ministries, uh, Leon Zimmerman was the instructor. Some of you may know him. He lives in, right in Gap. Uh, anyways, he was teaching a, a class on biblical interpretation. And if you, if you don't think good, sound biblical interpretation is important when it comes to counseling, um, you should hear some stories sometimes. And I think you've experienced some things even as a church here that you remember how important good biblical interpretation is. But um, anyway, so he had us write an exposition paper, so I began to pull some of these things together that I've been looking at over the years, and this was my exposition paper. As a disclaimer, I would say I haven't gotten my grade back yet, so <laughs> I don't know if it's going to pass or not. But, um, yeah, he was busy, and... I think eventually he'll get that back to me. But I did have a, a breakfast with him about a week ago and, and another paper that I had written he spoke positively about. So <laughs> I hope that he does this one as well. Let's look at the immediate context of Scripture here. Paul says, Now in this that I declare unto you, and by the way, this is right following the teaching on the he headship veiling, uh, headship order in, in the church. It's not just about the veiling. It's more about headship order. And then it, it's... The last part of chapter 11 has to do with communion. And these are verses sandwiched right in between there. Now in this that I declare unto you, I praise you not. This is old King James English. We're going to look at it in some other translations as well. For first of all, uh, that you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there be divisions among you. And I partly believe it. Verse 19. For there must be also heresies among you that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. 
When you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper, and one is hungry and another is drunken. What? Have ye not houses to eat in and eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. This is, we're going to kind of zoom in on verse 19 eventually, and we're going to look at the, the NIV and the NASB, which are a, a little older translations and perhaps more trusted. Um, this is the New Living Translation. But in the following instructions, I cannot praise you, for it sounds as if more harm than good is done when you meet together. Whoa, that's not good. First, I hear that there are divisions among you when you meet as a church, and to some extent I believe it. But of course, there must be divisions, heresies, divisions, among you so that you who have God's approval will be recognized. When you meet together, you are not really interested in the Lord's Supper. For some of you hurry to eat your own meal without sharing with others. As a result, some go hungry while others get drunk. By the way, it occurred to me this morning, I was so happy when I saw the announcement about the donuts this morning. <laughs> uh, there's just something about donuts that really helps you say yes to God. Now, maybe that's heresy. I don't know. <laughs> but I think we need to make it as easy as we can to say yes to God. Now, some people have a theory that you need to make it just as hard as possible to say yes. So that when people make a decision, you know it's, I don't know, whatever. But anyways, thank you for the donuts, whoever that was. I ate a half of one. That's about all I can handle without needing to walk an extra mile or two. 20, verse 22, what? Don't you have your own homes for eating and drinking? Or do you really want to disgrace God's church and shame the poor? What am I supposed to say? Do you want me to praise you? Well, I certainly will not praise you for this. That was the um, living, new, um, what is it? Um, NLT, new, new living translation, yeah. And then here's the message. I like the message. Um, it's not a translation, it's more of a paraphrase, but it's a message. Regarding this next item, I'm not at all pleased. I'm getting the picture that when you meet together, it brings out your worst side instead of your best. First, I get this report on your divisiveness, competing with, competing with and criticizing each other. I'm reluctant to believe it, but there it is. The best thing that can be said for it is that the testing process will bring truth into the open and confirm it. And then I find that you bring your divisions to worship. You come together and instead of eating the Lord's Supper, you bring in a lot of food from the outside and make pigs of yourself. Some are left out and go home hungry. Others have to be carried out too drunk to walk. Can't believe it. Don't you have your own houses to eat and drink in? Why would you stoop to desecrating God's church? Why would you actually shame God's poor? I never would have believed you would stoop to this, and I'm not going to stand by and say nothing. So let's, 
let's look more deeply at this particular verse 19. I think there are three, three questions that we need to ask ourselves whenever we bump into um, a scripture that we don't understand. Deary, I, I have my notes are in the, the briefcase there, kind of right where my laptop was. Uh, but these three questions, whenever you bump into a scripture that you don't really understand, three questions need to be answered. And in order of their priority, here's what they are. Number one, what does it actually say? What does this verse actually say? We need to know what's being said, okay? Uh, I, think, I think it was, yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah, yeah, these are it. If anybody wants a copy, I made a few copies extra if you want it afterward. Or I could email them to you. What does it actually say? That's the first question we need to answer. Uh, and then second, what did it mean to the original readers, the Corinthian church in this case? And then what does it mean to us? So let's consider the most important one first, and that is what does it actually say? In three uh, commonly respected versions, here they are. NASB says, for there must also be factions among you in order that those who are approved may have become evident. The NIV, no doubt there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. And then the King James, for there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. So, okay, now that we've gone this far, let me ask you, what does this verse mean? I, don't worry about saying something wrong. You're not going to say anything wrong. We're not all cut out of the same cloth. Good. Good response. Yeah, exactly. I think you were listening this morning. Plus, you were probably thinking and processing this long ago in your own study. Pastor Dale, what do you think it means? I, I mean, I think we had two very good answers, but you want to enlarge on this some more? Oh, okay. Yeah. Amen. I, I like that. It's a healthy thing. And I think that's what Paul was trying to communicate. You know, we get all worried that, oh, there's going to be problems and, you know, you mean we're having church problems. I mean, I've, been, I've been in a lot of churches. I've been part of quite a few churches. I haven't been in a church yet that there wasn't church problems, <laughs> you know. 
but it's more how you respond to that. And that's where we fall down is, you know, how do we process? How do we work through? And then you get people like me that I can't hardly think without talking. And so we start talking. And then, you know, some of you more quiet ones, <laughs> you know, you get your thoughts all nicely arranged and then you open your mouth and everything is just looks so perfect. Or I can't even think until I start talking and, you know, and then, anyways. But uh, you can tell who gets into the most trouble. But anyway, no, very good. And pa Paul is just saying, hey, relax. Don't worry about it. You know, maybe, yeah, get rid of some of that gluttony and stuff that they were doing or whatever. But it just needs to be that there's going to be some problems so you can think deeply about life and about church and Christianity and what really matters. And... Um, So let's, let's look at the word heresy here. And I, I, I looked in Strong's and Vine's and different um, resources. One, one, a good read, if you've never read the book by James Callas, simply the story of Paul. You, you come to understand Paul, and he wrote half the New Testament. So you really need to understand the Apostle Paul, uh, who he was. But some of this comes out of the story of Paul by James Callas. Heresy, it's a choice, a party. You're familiar with politics, right? You got the Democrats and you got the Republicans and the Libertarians, which is what we probably should all be. Um, and <laughs> party, so the, the party spirit. Uh, disunion, heresy. This is an interesting one. Th this is what James Callis really brings out in his book, The Story of Paul. Heresy, he says does not mean untruth, but it means half-truth. Truth taken in isolation, sundered from counter-truth. So, often heretical things happen or said, occur, because somebody's emphasizing a truth. It's, it's not untruth. You know, I can say, the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign. He is over all. There's nothing I can do to save myself. I can't pull myself up by my own bootstraps. That's true. But if that's all I say, it's not the whole truth. And I can end up producing heresy. We are also responsible. You know, the book of James would bring that out. And... Um, so we're, God is sovereign, but we are also responsible. Responsibility means we respond to him. Responsibility. He moves, he creates, he does, and we respond to that. Now, we could just emphasize that and say, well, it's, you know, we need to, there's, we have a part in this, and, and, and forget all about God's sovereignty. That, too, too, is just, it's the other half. <clears throat> Here's one I like. Heresy is self-willed opinion which is substituted for submission to the power of truth. Those are exact words that I took out of one of these resources. I forget which one this one came out of. Self-willed opinion which is substituted for submission to the power of truth. We should all submit to the truth. But this self-willed opinion is substituted, you know, my opinion on this rather than what, what does it really say? 
outcomes arising from a diversity of opinions, frequently the result of personal preference or advantage. Uh, last weekend, no, not last weekend, the week, yeah, it was last weekend. I was out in Los Angeles for a bit. <coughs> and uh, we were talking about cultures and, and how different cultures uh, have different values. And uh, obviously the ultimate culture is the biblical culture, the Christian culture. And by the way, there's, as Christians, we have way more in common than we do in difference. Let's remember that. But when you take people from different cultures and bring them into the Christian culture, there's going to be different things highlighted. I remember for years going into the Walmart when I worked for Choice Books in downtown Los Angeles and being just totally intimidated by this lady receiver because she was, she was so blunt and so, oh, why did you put it there? Man, I'd, I'd, I'd go in there just trembling, wondering what I'm going to get yelled at for next. And uh, to me, it, it was intimidating. And then it occurred to me one day, this is the way these people talk to each other. They just all talk that way to each other. And, and so it, it kind of it helped me to understand, oh, this is, now maybe, I don't know, there's probably a Bible verse that would, we could point to and say don't yell at each other, you know, be, whatever, you know. But it, it's okay, you know, if people speak in a louder tone of voice than what I'm used to. Um, yeah, and it can be a challenge for churches and especially new churches and so forth to work together with some of those differences. It must needs be that differences are among you. So that was heresy. Let's look at the word approved. Should be fairly straightforward. Approved, accepted, tried. James says when he is tried, he shall come forth as gold. And so that's the challenge. We want to be approved. Who do we want to be approved by? God, yeah. I mean, it's nice to have you all's approval too, but it's really God's approval that we want, that we're looking for. Approved by God. Salute Apelles, Paul says in Romans 16. Approved in Christ. Salute them which are of Aristopolis' household. For not he that commendeth himself is approved, but whom the Lord commendeth. So it's the Lord's approval. And then this familiar verse. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And that would have to do with making a straight cut, you know, a very precise, like a surgeon, rightly dividing the word of truth. Let's look at manifest, shining, apparent, that they which are approved may be made manifest. This should be obvious. It shouldn't be, well, you know, that issue we went through a few years back, you know, you know, if, if I look back on that, you know, I think maybe this. No, it's obvious what the truth is. It becomes plain, especially over time. Shining, apparent, public, external, open, that's Strong's. And then the vines, open to sight, visible, shining. I like that shining part, just like a light comes on. So that was the first question. What does it actually say? So we have to figure out 
what it actually says if we want to understand a, a strange or difficult passage. So here's where we get a little more practical. What did it mean to the original readers? Well, number one, they were obviously coming together only to be divided. It's just like, whoa, what's the point of that? <laughs> Might as well stay home, you know. He's, he says you come together not for the better, but for the worse. Make sure I don't miss anything here. Everybody was kind of coming together and doing their own thing, not really being sensitive or conscious of the others who were there. They were self-indulgent. says some were getting drunk. Um, each did what felt good to himself and to his own clique rather than being sensitive to others. The poor, I think this is probably the most important thing to remember what was going on there and probably the thing that really had Paul hot under the collar, I think, was the poor, the vulnerable were being neglected. In all their busyness of doing this, going through these motions and everything, it was the vulnerable among them who were being neglected, the poor. And that should really bother us when it comes to working through our issues. Whatever, whatever they are, Let's, let's not neglect the vulnerable. The vulnerable can be the children. Uh, it can be the new believers. It can be those who are not exactly like all of us who think we are so grown up. Um, they were being neglected by all of our distractions and divisions and so forth. The vulnerable, the poor were being neglected. The way they were doing things was not good. Paul says, verse 17 basically says that you come to better, together for not for the better, but for the worse. Better off not to do it at all. Of course, it's best, you know, it's, it's better not to do anything than to do the right thing in the wrong way. But of course, the best thing is to do the right thing in the right way. So we don't want to just shift into neutral and become so afraid. I remember one farmer back in Wisconsin who, who he'd come out and talk to his workers in the morning. He'd say, there's not enough mistakes being made around here. And what he was saying in his own uh, Irish sort of way was, I want to see things happen. You know, don't be afraid to make a mistake. Get out there. Do something. Not enough mistakes being made around here. So, but obviously, let's do the right thing in the right way. Heresies, issues, reveal the heart condition. We've already talked to that, I think. Um, factions, differences, usually do more to reveal the true heart condition of the people involved than anything else. Even the issue, themse the issue itself becomes kind of a non-issue when... It exposes kind of who we, who we really are and who are, what we're like. There obviously were those who were approved by God. There were obviously problems in the Corinthian church. In fact, most of the first Corinthians, uh, the first half of first Corinthians was written to correct heresy. <laughs> That's why it's so strange. When it was written to correct heresy, and then Paul comes along and says, it must needs be that there be heresies among you. So it's almost like he's doubling back on himself. But um, 
there were those who approved, um, who were examples. They were good examples. And that's the purpose for which Paul says heresies exist, that those who are approved may become obvious. Those who were approved by God were made known. It should come as no surprise that those who honor God, God will honor. They don't have to go around tooting their own horns or booing those who oppose them or think differently. All they have to do is study to be approved unto God. And he will make it obvious. So that's kind of what was going on there. What, did it, what does it say? What did it mean to the original readers? Now, what does it mean to us today? First thing I think it means is that we need to be very careful about driving wedges and highlighting differences. Where we stand in relation to each other is very, very secondary. Very secondary. The real question is where we stand in relation to God. So why bother highlighting how we stand differently from each other unless we're carnal and like to drive wedges? Then that might be a motivation for doing it. So very, not, not saying that we never talk, obviously... <laughs> Paul is saying, you know, it's a good thing that there are divisions among you, so we have to talk about that. But let's be very careful about driving wedges. Number two, we must beware of carnal motivations. That self-willed opinion, remember that one definition of heresy? Self-willed opinions. Let's be very, all of us lurking in all of our hearts is, is self. And we walk with God for so many years and I would love to believe after 60 years, I've got some of this worked out of me. But over and over again, I just need to say, Ernest, you still have some things to learn. In fact, just last weekend, as we were sitting with the team there, you know, these are all men that I have facilitated. I have, I've made it possible for them to be there. And, and you know, many people, but we, we were... Originally, it was our vision and so forth and provided a platform. And then, you know, the audacity of them, even my son, to dare to point out some of my problems, my weaknesses. It's just like, what? Come on here. But it was good. And I, I told them, I said, I actually feel loved by you guys. Even though this is hard for me to hear, it tells me that you want connection with me. And so if I can up my game and be an easier person to connect with, that's a great thing. And I actually felt, in a strange sort of way, I just felt so carried by grace at a time when I could have reacted. And um, it's beautiful. It is beautiful when that, when that can happen. In Christ, we are all one, equal, with no differences. No true unity is ever possible without an exclusive focus upon Christ. Everything within the peripheral scope of things must contribute to a Christ-centered focus. If it does not, it's simply a distraction. You know, I, I think I've shared maybe some about focus, but, you know, I could focus on that clock, Jesus Christ and him crucified, and that's, that's what I need to stay focused on, Paul says. But there are many different things that contribute 
to that focus as well, the peripheral. The peripheral matters. If we don't have a peripheral vision, we have tunnel vision, and we bump into all kinds of things. I could be walking by here and not see this and bump into it, next thing is falling over and hurting the boy. And um, So peripheral matters, but um, we need to keep our focus. Jesus Christ is, and we are all one with him. Here's one to remember. Remember that just because this is the way it's always been doesn't make it right. You know, we get in habits and ways as people, cultures, churches. The Christian culture is a culture. Uh, Denominations are cultures. They become cultures. Certainly Anabaptism is a culture. Um, And so we get these ways of doing things, and many times they're very, very good, and, and we should be very careful we don't just toss things out. But let's look at it. So if something is not right, the longer it's not right, the worse it is. I mean, come on. If something's wrong, let's, let's deal with ourselves and look at it. On the other hand, if there's something right about it, let's, let's not throw out a good thing. You know, if it's right and it's good and it's, it's helpful. Every generation must grapple with and apply principles of truth to their day. So, you know, you can take the, these, these principles. God's word is eternal, it's, and it's applicable to every culture. But we are responsible. You are responsible. We are responsible here at Way of Jesus to apply God's truth today to us. Not just in Lancaster County, but at Way of Jesus. And um, we have that responsibility. And it's not just Dale's responsibility. It's not just Steve's because he's getting old. <laughs> He's got some gray hair. But it's all of our responsibility to grapple with truth. We must check our hearts. What is motivating us? Are we craving for personal significance and security? Or are we submitted to the power of truth? Remember the Greek definition of heresy is the opposite. We're not. We're substituting the power of truth. We need to be submitted to the power of truth. Or is that submission being substituted by self-willed opinion? Number six, be approved unto God. When God approves, does it really matter who else may disapprove? Interestingly enough, plenty of approval will come from others. You, if you stand for Christ, if you stand for what's right, you may lose some friends, but you're going to gain some friends as well. And those are the kind of friends you want, are those that are willing to stand for what's right and, and for truth. Know that the truth will stand. It may not always be recognized or appreciated by men, but it will stand, and you don't have to make it stand. It just will, because it's the truth. And in spite of all the silliness that goes on sometimes in the name of pure doctrine, there is always a remnant of people who can keep focused no matter what. Praise God that there are those people. 
So, in the words of David Berceau in his book titled, Will the Real Heretics Please Stand Up? Have you read that book? It's kind of an old book nowadays. It came out, what, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, whatever. But it's, real, it's good. Um, will the real heretics, we're talking about heresy here, so will the real heretics please stand up? They never do. <laughs> they always seem to lurk around the shadows. Um, but those who are approved will be made manifest. Let's seek God's approval. Oh, I was going to sing yet one more time that little chorus. Let's, let's just close our eyes again and submit ourselves to the power of truth. And I don't know, <laughs> when we sing this, I, I tend to like to do the salute, um, saying yes to God. He's the commander of my life. And uh, let's, just, let's all stand. And if you want to go through the motions of honoring God and saying yes to him, you can do that. Um, I say yes, yes, yes. I say yes, yes, yes. I say yes, Lord. I say yes, Lord. I say yes, 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 and excitedly, I say yes, 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 I say yes, 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 I say yes, Lord, I say yes, Lord. I say yes, yes, yes. Thank you. You may be seated. Thank you, Ernest, for sharing and just closing out with this song. And the thing that, that spoke to me as we were singing it, we sang it twice, is you can have the exact same words, you can have the exact same situation, uh, but it can come out completely different. It can come out sobering, or it can come out exciting. And I think that really spoke to me when you did it the first time of taking the same words and singing it so differently. And uh, it came, it was a choice that I made on how I sing it. Uh, but there were so many good things that you shared this morning, so thank you for sharing. Uh, and I want to specifically leave here uh, with...